It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. You're very welcome to a brand new week of Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. And today we start the week with a lovely story with a very happy ending. You know the saying, all's well that ends well? Well, it sums up a little dog called Keisha. And its owner is on the line with me, Robert Beryl. Good afternoon. Jerry, how are you? Thanks for having me. I'm very good. Oh, not at all. I'm delighted. As soon as I heard about this Saturday, I said, have to talk to this man. Top of the week on Monday. And good to your word, you're with me today, Robert. First of all, tell us about Keisha. Keisha, am I pronouncing it wrong? All right there? Yeah, it's. I suppose it's the same thing. It probably depends where you come from. We call her Keisha. So, Keisha, um, okay. Yeah, okay, right. let's get it 100% right. So it's Keisha, as in key to the door. What age is she? Uh, she's about four and a half. And where did she did you get her from? Where did she come from? Well, I tell you, um, it was about Easter. Easter about three years ago, she strayed in our back door one of the days, and next thing we we had her. And the same thing that happened to me as well. I I poured up on Facebook to try and find the owners. Mm. We eventually found the owners about two or three days later, and reunited her with the family. And then they were going away and didn't really want the dog, so this uh, they rang me and gave me a foster food, and so we took it. What a lovely so, story yeah. that is, Robert, and, and how she came to be yours. So, And her breed, a little terrier, yes? A little Manchester terrier. They're, kind of, they're, they're very rare, and she looks kind of like a little Labrador, you know, so yeah. um, just, just, just in colour. So she's a, or she's a, a little dog now. A beaut. You know? A beaut. So you love her. She's part and parcel of the family. A, a house dog, house trained, yes? Oh, it's very good, yeah. Very good within the house. And oh, she, if she wants to get out, she'll bark at you, let you know she wants out, you know, so... yeah. That's the good thing about her. Now, last Thursday, did she bark when she went out or what happened? Take us back to the scene of the crime. What happened? Oh, Lord, Jerry. Um, um, by mistake, I left with two back doors and I left one of them open by mistake. And she wasn't well. She was. I had her on med- medication and all. So uh, I thought she'd actually gone into the bedroom and gone to bed. But next thing I, I looked into the kitchen and the door was open. She was gone. So I went checking straight away and no sign at all. Right, so um, we had to go away, myself and the wife had to go away on the Friday down to Carrick and Shannon and we're kind of going, oh my God, like, we have to mm. this thing behind, couldn't find her, no one saw her, 
which was kind of bizarre because she'd always be around and yeah. never go too far away from you, you know. So you're uh, on a journey, you have to do something yourselves in your own lives and I'm sure you're wondering and worried and what and where and why is she, but absolutely no trace of her. Now, I know you put it up on Facebook because we were watching it and we heard about it and loads of people shared this, but nothing, nothing at all. Not, not a thing. I, I mean, like, it, it's, it's amazing when, when Facebook is used properly, like, it's great, you know, because... Uh, like for the likes of this, it was brilliant because like I, like I was getting messages from Australia, um, <laughs> the UK, everywhere, you know, so it was yeah. mad. But uh, we only got reunited yesterday and I actually heard the full story because a neighbour of ours was travelling up towards Carrick Macross. Yep. And he was leaving off his, uh, his kid with his mother and father and he stopped to get fuel, went to his mother's and I think heard something in, inside the engine. In the bonnet, under the bonnet of the neighbour's car. Yeah. So he, so the the whole story was, seemingly, he found the dog in the bonnet before. Back in about June or July, didn't didn't the dog chase the cat into the bonnet, and this time she actually got stuck there. And it wasn't Keisha, a different dog. Oh, did oh, this was this was Keisha that done it last June or July. She chased the cat oh. into, into the bonnet. So, oh, right. Um, did you know about this? No, I only found out yesterday. All right, this is an add-on to the story. So yeah. Keisha had form here. She had been under the bonnet yeah. of this car yeah, last yeah. year. Yeah, which is mad, you know. So uh, he left on Thursday to go up the north, to go up uh, towards Carrick Macross, and found her there on Thursday evening. So like we didn't, we like, no one had an idea. Um, and then through Facebook, we found like he, he found out the story, and I said, "Oh yeah, that's, that's Robbie's dog," you know. So yeah. Uh, all is well the hands well anyway you know <laughs> so the story was Keisha got out on the Thursday from your house made her way somehow in under the bonnet of this car again where she'd been before yeah. lay low there they set off on the journey and the poor thing is in the engine the noise the heat Robbie yeah the heat like, even he said like like he, I think his final destination he said was Dungannon or somewhere so <gasps> He said if he kept going that way, he could have been using a spatula to take her off the car, oh, you know. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and and what alerted him, did he say? To, to look, Did he hear a noise or something? He heard something when he was at his mother's house. A, a, a yelp or something. And he said, what's that? So he, he just opened the bonnet. The next thing there she was, you know. So. Oh, in the name of... <laughs> and and it, it, the penny just didn't drop on him immediately whose dog it was. No, it took him... No, a... not... Not not immediately. He had an idea, but next, but then through some other friends of his around the estate, and um, they found out. And I said, "Oh yes, that's we know who it is now." And I said, "I got a call Saturday morning off with my neighbours here." Yeah, and he says, "You go off and have a hundred euro on a horse." He says, <laughs> "What are you on about?" Like you know. <laughs> so you didn't actually find out till the Saturday morning that she was Saturday okay morning, and had yeah. been found. Yeah. So uh, I tell you. I, I wouldn't be one to cry, but I wasn't too far away from it, I tell oh. you, once I heard the news, you know. I'm sure you were. And, and can I tell you, I, I, we've been watching this. The slain was on tenterhooks. Do you know that? The people out that direction <laughs> were all praying and hoping and willing and wishing that she'd be found. And what a, a, an outpouring of joy and relief when the news came through. Yeah, it was. It, I tell you, Jerry, it's, it's, it's hard to believe, like, you know, because um, the, the, the whole village were actually watching it and everyone seemed to breathe a sigh of relief and like mm. we had some great neighbours here they're all going out here and checking ditches and 
everywhere just in case she was around. You yes, know, so. yeah, you had a great uh, response. Mm. They're, they're, all, they're all very good, like, you know. Mm, mm. Ah, look, this is a wonder. So she travelled, you reckon, what, about 50 miles under the bonnet of the car across three counties? Yeah, the guts, the guts of that, yeah. So it was, um, it's, uh, it's kind of hard to believe in how she actually sat there. Yeah. I didn't fall out. Like, you know, didn't, didn't fall out or beneath or, you know, get burned with the heat of the engine or the noise and everything involved. It is. And not a bother and are delighted to be home, just hop back in and into the routine again. Yes. Not a bother now. And she's there at the minute lying in front of the fire and not a care in the world. Yeah, I heard of nine lives in relation to another creature, but by God Almighty, this one certainly has uh, run the gauntlet and, and and pulled through as well. She's famous now, Keisha. She, you know that she's famous. Yeah, well, she was famous before. I tell you, look, like, even over the last like we have about three years now, and even over the last few years, like she got me a walk and all that. So like, yeah, and we're doing great walking. So I know I know you're into the operation transformation there, and like I, I lost three stone over two years with with this dog as well. Like so, it was a, a, she's a lot to do with me whole life and all that kind of thing. Mm. Also. Mm. And I know this morning I was looking for you because I wondered. I said, "Where's this lad?" And I rang your missus. I might as well tell the truth. So there was an APB out for Robbie Beryl this morning from LMFM, and she said, "Jerry, relax. He's away with the dog. He does this lovely walk. It takes time. He'll be with you at half one. Don't worry about it." And uh, here we are now. But you know something? You, you've touched on something very important there. It is a wonderful relationship, man and dog, and you especially with this one. And look at what it's done for you in your life, how it's helped you for your better health. Yeah, absolutely. And like, like we done a charity walk there. Like we, like we organised a charity walk there last year, and it's all because we were we started walking and we were bringing out the dogs and all this kind of thing. So like, like we walked from Carrick and Shannon to Slane last year, um, and we raised. Uh, three grand for each charity like the Gary Kelly Centre so sad and the tidy towns here in Slane brilliant so like like that's it's all part and past love it mm. like, you know so and more people are getting involved in this and it's great you know and they all yeah. think the dogs and Mm. It's great crack, you know. I oh, know it is. I know, and even yeah. I've my flamessy. They know, and he gets me out as well. Only for the dog, I probably wouldn't do much walking, to be honest with you either. And he looks at me face, and I come home, and those big brown eyes. You just have to say, "Come on, let's get that lead yeah, and go, boy." You know, it's simple as yeah. that. Well, listen, well done. It's a lovely story to start the week here in the show. I appreciate you joining us. Definitely the uh, epitome of man's best friend, and I can tell you, Keisha won't be going anywhere. Yeah, too fast. Yeah, to, I just want to say big thanks to everyone that helped us do everything and all took in, in, an interest in the story. Like, it was great, you know. And mm. Brilliant, brilliant, Robert. There are, there are still good people out there. You know? Ah, the best. Yeah, we know that. The best are in the majority, and thank God, and may it always be that way. Thanks a million, Robert, for taking the call. Jerry, thanks a million. Very good. Ah, take care of yourself. Bye bye, bye bye. That's Robbie Beryl. Keisha's the name of the dog. Oh my God, what a story that is. I think it deserves a little follow-up in terms of song and music. Keisha, please don't do this in future. Don't go breaking Robbie's heart, will you?
My next guest is a member of Dundalk Photographic Society who are incidentally celebrating their 40th year this year. Congratulations to them. And in the history of the club, Graham Kelly is the first ever winner of the Irish Photography Federation Photographer of the Year. And it's for 2019 and he's on the line with me. Graham, good afternoon. Hi, how are you doing? I'm great. Well, I should ask you, how are you? Have your feet touched the ground? Oh, they touched the ground very, very quickly afterwards, uh, thanks to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Natalie, we do know Natalie well. And I want to tell you today, she just wants us to, and I know she wants me to say this, to pass on our heartiest congratulations from herself and your two lovely girls, Faith and Summer. They want to say they're so proud of you. Uh, I, I know that already. Yeah, I know, I'm sure you do, but I just wanted to say it here with us on the show this afternoon. Well, 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 tell me about this. You know, to be... Uh, uh, what would I say, awarded this wonderful accolade. It, is it based on, on the one picture Wave Watcher or more besides, Graham? No, it is It is actually based on the one picture. It's the best picture on the day who wins the overall title. And did you just submit the one or had you others in? No, I had competed with six different sections and I had entered images in five of the sections. Okay, and, and this one in its section first and then there's an overall winner. Is that the way? Yeah, so basically the the winner from each section uh, goes forward for, uh, I suppose, uh, for inclusion in yeah. the, the final lineup. So Brilliant. there's six images that can potentially win yeah. over the year. And I was just lucky enough on the day. When you look at the others, way. when you look at the others, Graeme, and I'm sure you did have a good look at who's in the final shake-up along with yourself, what, what did your gut tell you? How did you feel? To be honest, I haven't seen any of the others. Oh, did you not? No, I couldn't unfortunately make it down. On the I page. see. And I was sitting by the phone, being updated uh, by private messenger on Facebook by one of the guys in the club. Right. Let me know as the results were being announced. So I haven't seen uh, the other images as yet. There you go. Well, you'll have to have a look at those. Well, here yeah, you well, are yeah. in absentia. You are the winner. And uh, to to get the news, like, what did that feel like when you when you got the award? You've won. It was a bit unbelievable. I, I couldn't uh, couldn't believe it at all. Mm. Walking around the house on the high. <laughs> I'm sure. And then I got handed a seat and brush and told to seat the floor. <laughs> <laughs> As you do, Graham. That's yeah. life, isn't it? That is life for everybody. The reality. Now, tell me about this wonderful, wonderful snap. It's called Wave Watcher, and just for listeners, I'll describe it. It's the seas are are rough and angry, and it's a pier jutting out into the sea, and on the end of the pier is a lady on her own holding a brolly, yes? That's right, yeah. We are all dying to know. Tell us, please, where was this taken and who is that woman? That woman is my wife and that photograph uh, of the, the storm was taken up in Castle Rock Beach on the north coast of Northern Ireland. And although it doesn't look like it in the photograph, it was actually a summer's day. Really? Uh, yeah, it was a, a bad summer's day. Oh, yes. Uh, and the, the waves were literally, the, this pier leads out into the sea, and the waves were just rolling down either side of it. And yeah. luckily for me, breaking across the front of it. So yeah. I just stood back with a long lens and, and captured the action as it was happening. And just took the shot. So that is actually your wife, Natalie Kelly, starring in the award-winning photograph out on the edge of the pier, yeah, yeah, a woman of many talents. A brave woman when I see those yeah. waves. There's a debate online as to whether I've gone too far for an image. 
health and safety, so... (laughs) (laughs) Never mind that debate. Go on out of that. I'll tell you this. It's just brilliant. We, 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 we are honestly all of one in here saying, what a wonderful, wonderful shot. And we're not surprised it's the winner. It is absolutely so good. Now, it's dark, it's angry, it's mainly in black and white. There's a little colour added to horror. Is that added afterwards? Uh, yeah, I would have I would have darkened down the, yeah. the image uh, mm. just to, to give it that extra bit of mood. Yeah. And then brighten snadly. Yeah. Oh. And the image just said draw the attention to her. Yeah, and actually it does. It's the contrast of the anger of the day. And and you know what, it, it, I know I know what you're saying about online there, but it does, it's the vulnerability as well, isn't it, in the midst of nature? Yeah, yeah, no, it tells a good story. It does, it really does. They say a All picture. All you can hope for is that when you're making an image that you hope the story comes across. Yes. That people get it. Well, it certainly did with this one, that's for sure. I did mention at the start there, you are the first winner for Dundalk in the 40-year history of the club. So you have made history in this very special year for the club there as well. Yeah, no, I was like, shocked to hear that because the club has such a history of great photography mm. and very strong competition. They've won the, the World Cup a yes. number of years ago. The last two years in a row, we've been champions in the PSA, yeah. which is the Photographic Society of America. There's about 120 clubs compete every year for that. Mm. So for our 40th year, we're going for the hat-trick. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, so I was shocked that no other uh, club member had ever won it. Well, there you are. You have the unique distinction and he'll hold that forever. How long are you taking photographs? How long have you a camera? When did you start? I started back in my teens. I, I had an old film camera and I knew the basics, uh, but that kind of drifted away over the years. Uh, and I had been doing a lot of sea swimming and I I kind of injured my, my shoulder quite badly, which, fin- which finished the swimming just around the time that my first child would be born, mm. six years ago. And that coincided with me getting the camera. So I kind of gravitated towards the coast with the camera, and that's how I started to get taking photographs. Do you mind me asking you what kind of a camera you have? What making? Ah, uh, a Nikon. That's All right. That Lovely, yeah. Lovely, well-known well known brand, of course. Um, yeah, yeah. You... Are an amateur uh, photographer because you, you have to earn a crust another way as well. Uh, little Birdie tells me you're very particular. You like to get things absolutely right. I, I sure am very, very particular. Yeah, you have to be. Mm. You believe yeah. that's a big and important trait in what you do? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I see guys just arriving up and they, they put the tripod down and just set up the picture, whereas I usually spend around 10 minutes just trying to fight, get a composition perfectly. Yeah. And, to be guys laughing at me regularly, telling me I've gone too far, but sure. it, uh, it gets me the images I want. Yeah, they're not laughing today, let me tell you. They're just smiling well, in admiration uh, at you and what you've uh, achieved. So you're part of a great club as well, and you have a busy year ahead. You mentioned those international and national competitions. Is is that an interesting part of what you do? Do you like to enter to compete? I do. I'd be quite competitive myself uh, with photography uh, and the, the competition element in the club is one of the primary f- uh, focuses of the club. Mm. Now, within the club, the, the competition every single month, we have a, a monthly competition for Image of the Month. The competition is absolutely savage. It's fierce. Yes. Everybody goes in there to win. But the, the rivalry is very, very friendly. When you win, everybody is genuinely happy for you. It does, it, it's a rare combination where you've got uh, competition and uh, very supportive colleagues. Mm. It's a very hard environment to create. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's done very well below London Dock. Mm. Uh, 
and 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 uh, overall now you are really on the map with this uh, of course to win this title puts you into a different stratosphere entirely you may not realize that but it actually does but here's the thing so. that that no it does uh, come on we have credit where credit's due graham now uh, i have to say this to you the shot is brilliant and it's out in, in nature along the seashore and that do you specialize in outdoors or, or, or what would you say you are how would you describe your favorite yeah, I would I would gravitate mainly uh, towards seascape photography. Mm. So while most people are coming in from nightclubs on a Friday or Saturday night, I'm I'm getting out of bed and heading out into nature. <laughs> Good man yourself. <laughs> Usually waking up my wife and kids along the way. I'll tell you one thing. I'd say you get a few wildlife shots with that crew coming from discos on that early in the morning. But that's for a different type of photographer altogether. Leave that one aside. Keep to the shores and doing what you're doing. Um, I know there's such a, a groundswell of joy for you uh, and your achievement as well. From the club, I saw the club as well. They put up a lovely message, Dundalk Photographic Society, about you and how proud they are and you and everybody who won as well. And we just wanted to acknowledge the day. And we encourage people, have a look at this brilliant picture, Wave Watcher, and it is Graham's wife. We know now who is the woman, Natalie. Uh, is in the picture his wife and it's on you can check it out now on lmfm.ie and across our social media the brilliant winning uh, picture is there Graham, congratulations again well done to you thank you very much take care of yourself bye 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 that's uh, take care that's Graham Kelly there uh, Irish Photography Federation photographer of the year for 2019 from Dundalk Photographic Society with a brilliant brilliant picture look at it please do and enjoy it wave watcher up next on late lunch it's the Beatles. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. The Beatles, when I mention the word, what do you think of? You only think about one thing, don't you? The Fab Four and the wonderful music. And isn't it just a testament to the boys that even today their music is as strong and highly regarded as ever. You know about the Hinterland Festival in Kells? Well, there's something special happening in Kells to do with the Beatles. It's called Beatlemania and it's going to take place at the book market. And the man who's delivering four Mondays about the Beatles is with me on late lunch. He's a legal eagle, but in his spare time, it's the Beatles for him. Kevin Seagrave, you're very welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me. Much appreciated. What's this about? Beetle mania in Kells at the book market? Well, it's all Tom Dunn's fault because Tom was asked to and delivered to delivered a really, really good talk about uh, Sergeant Pepper, the Beatles' out 1967 album, uh, during the festival in the summer of 2017. And uh, they booked him to do a similar uh, talk in 2018, which would have been the 50th anniversary of the release of a, an album called The Beatles. Everybody calls it The White Album. He couldn't do the uh, 2018 one. I managed to wangle my way into doing it because I thought it would be fun. I did. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And that grew into a discussion that maybe as a promotion for uh, the festival in 2019, I might do some Beatles talks. Tom will be back in the fray to do his talk uh, again. This time it'll be on Abbey Road. It's tonight. The Book Market Cafe Market Street, Kells. Get there for 7.30 and it runs for each successive Monday. Tell us though, Kevin, I'm, I'm curious. You and the Beatles, where did it all begin for you, this passion? Very small boy in a very small apartment in New York in the mid-1960s. My parents had emigrated to the States, as so many had to that time. And one of my earliest memories as a child is sitting in front of the telly and these four guys in black suits singing and 
the way I describe it is the hairs rose in the back of my head. I don't actually remember whether or not they did. What I do know is the music grabbed me and it's been a downhill slide ever since. I wouldn't call it downhill, Kevin. Uh, well, some people who've had to listen to it over the years would because uh, if you press certain buttons with me, I just start talking about the Beatles and I'll give you information you may not want to have. I may give you information you want to have. But it's just been um, a major interest of mine ever since. The music grabs me as much today as it did and that has to be has to be 53 years ago, uh, if it's a day. I think it might even have been, I've tried to trace it because I have this clear image of them wearing black suits, and I think it was one of the first Ed Sullivan shows, possibly the very first one they did to break the States in February of 1964. Because I've, you know, when I first, when I was, you know, a little bit older and poking around, I said, oh, that looks very like what I saw on the telly when I was a kid. Did you ever see them? I have seen two of them. I have seen uh, Paul McCartney live, few times and I've seen Ringo Starr live a few times. Unfortunately never got to see John or George and never got to see the band. Just too young and they didn't tour much. Paul and Ringo have been touring a lot in the last twenty years. So have you collected their music in vinyl by C D now download? Yes and no. I'm not what they call a completist. I'm not that obsessive. I have an awful lot of the vinyl which I would have bought as a kid so I like to think I've one or two perhaps of the original pressings from the 60s mostly vinyl then of course had to get the CDs at one point but I kind of stopped at that I'm not really a download person I'm a vinyl guy I, I think there's a real difference between what vinyl sounds like and anything that's a computer program so now you know I know the quality of digital recording can be fabulous but I just love the vinyl sound I love the way it fills a room I love the way it sometimes sounds as if the guy is in the room which you know now They've had such an influence and continue to have to today and all the songs they've written, the albums they've produced. And you're breaking your talks into four aspects. Interestingly, the first one is the look of the Beatles and their success. Do you honestly believe that they had great luck? Oh, yeah, huge luck. And um, one of the reasons I picked it was because over the years reading all the stuff, and I've read so much I could bore you to death about it, but I read a lot about it. And it is quite striking how at particular phases of their existence, they had what I think any of us would regard as serious luck. I mean, your da happens to ask your ma to dance at a dance, and that's how you come to exist. I'm not looking at it from that point of view. That's, that's if you like, happenstance. That's human existence. I'm looking at it from the point of view of a sort of decisive moment where the fates, the good Lord, whatever it is you believe in, just took a particular... uh, push or roll and they got terribly terribly lucky and there's certainly that yeah I mean there have been many talented bands as anybody in this building will tell you who were really very good but didn't make it because they just didn't cut it for whatever reason somebody had a flu and they didn't get a particular break or something like that so the other side of it is true as well a lot of luck okay that'll form your first lecture then you move on and you talk about the group of four and how it was their choice uh, that it would be for, and how they gel so much as a foursome. Yeah. There were others. There were others. You see, there's the, over the years you've heard talk of who was the fifth Beatle, and various people have been named over the decades as the mysterious fifth Beatle who was supposed to have been behind uh, some of their success as well. Uh, it, it struck me that I think the roles of George Harrison and Ringo Starr have been underrated greatly. I wanted to, to talk about that a little bit. But it is quite remarkable how they were, when the right four came together... It just seemed to work. And how important that bond was. 
Um, don't want to say too much about it now. I'd like to think people would come. come yes. But it, 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 that's the starting point is that this really was a bond of four. And the only group I've heard talk about it in quite the same way since is U2. Not a particular fan of U2, very proud of their achievements and all they're doing and have done. But they talk about it, you know, that Bono seems the dominant personality, but it's turned up in so many interviews that when they're in the studio, it's 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 the group dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um and as I say, they're about the only really big group I've heard speak in that way since the Beatles. Rolling Stones have had tremendous success, and rightly so. They've had people come and go. doesn't seem to affect them terribly. A guitarist comes, a guitarist goes. The core three are, are there from the start. Uh, it did strike me, you know, over the years again, reading the stuff, good Lord, you know, that they were tight, and it worked. They certainly were. Mm. Now, the third night, you're on the stage, so to speak. The influence the Beatles had on Western culture... I suppose that goes without saying, but context it for me. Tell me how much you I don't you know that it goes had. without saying. Mm. I think there are many millions of people who would say that the Beatles had absolutely nothing to do with culture, that culture is opera, culture is classical music, culture is Yeats, and, uh, you know, that the Beatles are a sort of lowest common denominator, clever tunesmiths. I think the first argument you have to get over is that they were cultural at all. Um, I think a lot of people will accept at this stage that they have taken their place in the history of Western culture for good or ill. Um, those perhaps who are fans of Beethoven and Mozart might say that it's only been for ill. And in fairness, there are some serious questions to be asked about whether or not they, through what they did and were publicised as having doing, might have led to some degree to the difficulties most of the Western world is having with drugs. Uh, that is a serious issue. And naturally enough, as a fan, I'm uncomfortable with any negativity to do with them, but that honestly has to be faced as well. But I do think at this stage, um, it's fair to look at the influence they have had, the way we live our lives, the way we listen to music, um, and other areas that they had an influence on. I mean, they had a perhaps less well-known influence on uh, film, the making of film and cinematography, the way they were able to incorporate very different Musics or different types of music into what they did. George Harrison, a big influence, big interest in Indian music, which he dragged into their recordings. Some would say for the bad. I actually think for the good. They weren't afraid to do 30s music hall music. They weren't afraid to write very soft ballads. They weren't afraid to play some really heavy guitar. Mm. And um, the question now is, I suppose, uh, what influence do they have on West Western culture? Maybe a bit, a little bit like what Chou Enlai said, the famous Chinese leader when he was asked, well, you know, the French Revolution, what influence did it have on communism? And he turned around and said, I don't know, it's too early to say, (laughs) after 200 years. So it may take time. But again, I thought, this is worthy of discussion. And that'll be a lively discussion, because I think there will be people who will take both positive and negative uh, visions of it, and uh, I don't think I'll be doing my job if we don't. And then you round off in March with the fourth evening, and it's about the breakup of the Beatles, which really affected an awful lot of people at the time. When you look at the decade, 60 to 70, when they operated, do you think they were at the end of their days, the end of their time, or could they have gone on? You mentioned you two there earlier. Look how long they've gone on. This is it, isn't it? I mean, was the breakup a natural thing of four men going from being 20 to being nearly 30? Or could it have been avoided? I have to say, I'd probably be talking a little bit about this in more detail on the night. I like to think they could have gone on. I think it is open for debate. It may well have been that the four of them working the way they did had reached its natural end. We will never know if a break might have done the job. We'll never know if 
the fact that they'd all gone on to get married, they'd all found separate lives. It was no longer the four of them touring, sharing bedrooms, sharing, you know, taxis all the time. It had changed so much. But again, let's have a chat about that. You know, uh, we will never know. We just will never know. But what I would like to talk about in particular when I do that is to discuss my views and the views anybody who's there might have on who might have negatively affected the band. And there are the usual culprits rounded up. Yoko Ono is rounded up. Linda Eastman is spoken of. I don't think they have any blame at all, if blame is the word. Mm. But um, that's open for chat. You'll just have to go along and see. Now, I want to remind people that it's starting tonight, Monday the 18th of February, for four Monday nights. You can get tickets from the Book Market Cafe, Market Street, Kells, or you can call this number 089-436-9868 and check out more information on hinterland.ie and they have a Facebook page, Hinterland Festival Kells. What time are you starting at each evening? We're Kevin? kicking off each evening at half seven, so I hope that's time for people to go home and get a bite to eat and they won't be out too late either. Mm. Couldn't let you go without telling me a couple of things and your preferences for all things Beatles. Do you have a favourite album? To answer your question... The simple answer is no, but I do have a Desert Island disc. And the Desert Island disc would be the Beatles' White Album, simply because it has 30 songs on it. And if I'm going to be stuck on an island with just one Beatles record, I'm going to take the one with the most songs on it. I know it. that's that's my answer to that one, right? (laughs) And to pick a single Beatles song from their vast repertoire, can you? Yeah. Depends what mood I'm in. It uh, depends on what I'm in the mood to listen to. If I'm in the mood for loud, raucous rock, I'm going to aim for some of the later albums, which might have some loud, raucous rock on it. If I'm in a poppy mood, it'll be the early 60s. Uh, all depends. I mean, I could, depending on the mood I'm in, I'd just as happily listen to uh, what I consider to be a perfect piece of two minutes pop. She Loves You. It's just wonderful. The angle on the story and the, the whole way they put it together. And yet, if I'm in a different mood, I want to listen to Helter Skelter or I want to listen to you know, something that's just pure noise. But uh, and that, I think, is one of the reasons why over the decades they have survived me and I have survived them. It's that whatever form I'm in, there's, there's some music there for me. And they have a song for every mood, that's for sure. One last thing, I can't pin them down on the album or uh, the particular song. No, I did my best. You, you, you did well, but I, I, I'm going to try before we finish. From the Fab Four, the four boys, if you had one to say, yes, he was the one, who would it be? John, Paul, George or Ringo? I can't pick between one of them. I mean, uh, the band was the band. And if I pick one, I have to recognise that the other three had a huge influence on him. Um, my own feeling would be that the most revolutionary of them, the most willing to destroy the rules and create fabulous music while he did it was John Lennon. But by the same token, then as soon as I've said that, I'm thinking, well, there's Paul McCartney who took all the rules and did wonders with the rules. And of course, the magic is the two of them got together and John would try and break this. But no, 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 we can't do it there, John. We've got to do it this way. And Paul would come in with something nice and sweet and twee and Lennon would say, no, 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 let's make it a little bit dirty here. Just how it worked you know it's, we'll take it it's John it's Lennon and I'm using poetic license myself there can I give a very small plug you can first of all the festival itself runs from the 27th to the 30th of June 2019 uh, as I say we're looking forward to having Tom Dunn back to do uh, his presentation and expose on Abbey Road in the meantime 
Miles Dungan, one of the founding fathers of the festival, uh, will be doing his own uh, piece on March 25th. I don't have a time and location for it, but just keep an eye out for it on the website. Miles Dungan will be doing a piece called Bad News to Fake News, A Short History of Investigative Journalism. I would have thought something terribly important in the modern age. That's March 25th. And again, it's part of our programme of events over the, the winter months and into the spring to keep people aware of the festival. And also, we hope to entertain them in the meantime. Absolutely. And we, of course, on LMFM Radio will be with you all the way and announcing details of those events as it comes nearer to the dates. But I want to remind our late lunch listeners this Monday afternoon, it's tonight, the Book Market Cafe Market Street, Kells. Get there for 7.30. You can give them a shout for tickets now or call 089-436-9868 and no one will be refused when they rock up to the doors. Let's finish out by saying a big thank you to Beatles fan Kevin Seagrave who will be delivering the four Monday nights. Good luck to you, Kevin, with Thanks that. Thanks very much indeed. And we just have to play out with She Loves You. She loves you. Still to come on late lunch this afternoon, Donald Donahue will be with us, Navin actor, looking forward to meeting him again on the show. And have you ever considered shopping with no packaging? None at all? Well, we're talking to some people who've set up a shop and there's nothing in it is packaged. Very interesting. After three o'clock today, Louise, did you like the Beatles? The Beatles, I used to listen to them. I think my older sisters used to play them on this orange record player that we had on Penny mm. Lane all the time. But I think when I was growing up in the 90s, it was the cover versions like, did French and Saunders have help 
<laughs> and Candy flipped to a version of Strawberry Fields and that's uh, so I'm a fan by default you're des- and I do like listening to them <laughs> you're desecrating the Beatles memory Sorry. now with them covers Sorry. I know I know but everybody like there were so many covers of the songs and there was uh, send up ones and of course there were ones where they tried their best as well but of course they were way before your time in terms of their era but I'll tell you this if you ever go to Liverpool and you have the opportunity book the Beatles tour in right. Liverpool I'll tell you this and take your time don't be in a rush just go and do it and see where they played in the cavern and follow through and listen and read and look and experience it's absolutely oh, it's, it's brilliant. not a museum it's like going on a bus yeah, you know it's, it's, it's in a building along the, right. the docks in Liverpool and you go in there and the cavern is recreated as it actually was you won't believe how small the cavern was it was a tiny little place where, where they cut their teeth and, and played initially but to follow that tour in the building right through and take your time and just to get a, a feel for who they were where they came from and what they achieved Louise Remarkable. So the Beatles too, if you go to Liverpool, okay. put it on your list to list. go and do it. And it'll give you a whole new appreciation of the Beatles as well. They were just unbelievable. I never, well, I was too young to see them myself as well, but uh, I never actually, I don't think, saw uh, any of them individually. Like Kevin mentioned there, I haven't either, you know. I think, uh, but as Kevin mentioned as well, they gelled completely fantastically, mm. but each of them had a separate sound when they, they did had. their own solo. Oh, they were just... Uh, Honestly, when you think of that decade, 60 to 70, it was defining. It really was. And the music today is still so relevant and poignant. And the the fast ones you want to get up and dance, the ones that have true meaning to them and have a different slant altogether, you'll sit and listen to them and they still make that point with you, you know. So the Beatles will, I think they'll go on forever, won't they? They will. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. I think they will go on forever. They were that good. They really were that good. So continuing our Beatles half hour and late lunch this afternoon, something we never do, but we're doing it exceptionally this Monday. I just have to hear another Beatles. And I mentioned the two or three or four aspects of them, as Kevin said. And don't forget those brilliant talks going on in Kell starting tonight as well. Uh, I want to play this one, especially for a lot of people out there who grew up with this and listened to it and have played it over and over again. But it is, in my opinion, a Beatles classic. It's the Beatles and let it be. In times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. And in my hour of darkness, she is standing right in front of me, speaking words. 
Lunch with Blackstone Motors, now open in Dundalk, beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors, Dundalk. I'm delighted to welcome my next guest back to Late Lunch. He's a Navin man, former assistant editor at Irish Tatler Man, contributor, contributor to all the national newspapers, let me tell you as well. A columnist with Woman's Way, actor playing the part of Porig in Ross Naroon, going into his seventh season now, and author of a second novel called Colin and the Concubine. Donald O'Donoghue, it really is great to see you again. Oh, likewise. Thank you so much for having me back. You are so welcome. <laughs> season seven in Ross Naroon. I know, I know. When I started off, I thought I'd be here for a season. 
and here I am six years later going into my seventh season loving it absolutely yeah. absolutely because we film out in Connemara out in yeah. Spiddle as you know and when I was a child we used to go there on holidays each year so to me every time I go back each August it's like I'm on holidays <laughs> it really is just a great feeling oh it's wonderful recapturing that from childhood absolutely absolutely and, and what's really lovely about a soap is that you never know what's coming up next because if you're doing a play you obviously know how it ends uh, likewise with a film or a TV series but with a soap we're writing new scripts all the time. So that excitement keeps it so fresh and so real. So I love it. And you know, in the world of soaps, it has a huge following across the board. A lot in the UK, but look, at home here, we have Fair City, of course. But we have to say that Rosner Roon has really carved a special place for itself. It has. Absolutely. Why, why, why do you put that down to? Do you know what I always say about Rosner Roon? I always say it's, it's like an archive for the Irish language and the old Irish traditions. And each week, you know, it, it has this wonderful ability, ability to marry the old and the new. Mm. It's contemporary and fresh and it deals with relevant issues, but it also pays tribute to an Ireland that could disappear in a few decades, you know, to a heritage, to a culture. Um, and I just think that's wonderful. And I think, you know, anybody who is abroad, like my brother. Um, And sometimes when you are abroad, you can feel a little bit disconnected from where you grew up and your home country, your motherland. But if you just go on TG Car Player, watch an episode, you're transported back. Brings you back as well. You are such a busy man. You (laughs) juggle so many balls at once, let me say. But look, congratulations on the new book. It's called Colin and the Concubine. But I want to go back to 2016 and a date in 2016 that may ring a bell with some people. It should, but it did with you for certain. Tuesday, November the 8th, the morning after the evening before. Will you explain? It seems like yesterday, mm. but it's not. It's almost two and a half years ago. But yes, that is uh, that was the morning after the US election. Trump was elected as president of the United States. That he was. This had a major impact on you. It did. Um, just about two weeks before that, I had launched my first book, Sister Agatha. And I always said that I'd start number two as soon as I had set that out into the world. Um, And I had a plan for a different book, completely different, different story. And then the election happened. And it really, really affected me and I think it affected a huge amount of people. Um, I think we as a society, and I talk about a global society, I think we were all feeling very encouraged by the changes that were taking place, the way in which we communicated, the way in which we talked to people and about people. Um, There was, I felt there was so much more kindness in the world. And then not only did we have Brexit that year, but then we had the US election where I felt hate became the way in which we communicated again. And you've written about this because you say, and and this is really touching, you say it brought you back to your teenage self because you are a gay man and uh, crying in your bedroom uh, when you lived in Navin, did that actually well up within you? Did you come back to then? It it, it did. And you know what's interesting? you know, when we reflect back on our past, I think there's a wonderful ability in all of us to forget or to look back with rose-tinted glasses. And that's how we survive because if we remembered every horrible thing that happened, we'd never leave the house, would we? Um, And as I say, you know, I felt very encouraged by the way in which the world was moving. And that year in particular in Ireland, 2016, we had the marriage equality referendum, which was a huge landmark moment for the entire country. Um, And then all of a sudden, 
the conversation started changing. And not only, you know, in terms of homophobia, but sexism, racism, all these things that I felt we had moved past or moved beyond. And, you know, one thing is for, you know, certain people in society to be racist or homophobic, but to have the leader of a country that has often been seen as the leader of the world. So the leader of the leader of the world was reintroducing a dialogue that empowered some people by disempowering other people. But Donald, you know the thing about this, people don't want to hear that. This is the sad part about it. That's the reality. That man has done what he did in the past. And yet... 62 million people roughly voted for mm-hmm. him and the economy, the economy stupid, you know, jobs, more jobs, the country doing well. And people tend to forget that's a strange dichotomy, isn't it? It is. And, you know, I often talk about empathy and I often talk about, you know, maybe something isn't your own personal experience. Maybe you're not gay or you're not um, in a minority. So your focus might necessarily be to achieve equality on behalf of minorities. Your focus is to earn a wage, to have a salary that you can support your family. Um, But the best people in this world, I think, are those who can look beyond themselves and who can look at the bigger picture. And yes, 62 million people. That is a lot of people voted for Donald Trump. Now, because of the structure of the American system, they have a, an electoral system, 65, people, 65 million voted for Hillary. So that's, that's right, yeah. Three million more than Donald mm. Trump. But nonetheless, the way in which it's structured meant that he emerged triumphant. Um, and that is a huge amount of people to say, I prefer to have a leader who will talk about women. Um, this is an afternoon show, so I'm not going to quote I, things that he has said. I know said. the quote. You I know, know, I know what you're going to say. Yeah. Um, and the way in which he talks about um, immigrants, um, the way in which he talks about people. It's just, to me, it's so extraordinary that people supported this type of dialogue by voting for him. And back to you again. Uh-huh. It did change the course of this novel entirely because you had the post-its, you had the plan, you had the structure and you said, out the window, here we go in a different direction altogether. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm a firm believer in happy endings. Mm. I've always been this mm. eternal optimist. And I think the reason why we all gravitate towards the arts, whether it's a film or television or, you know, literature, is because we like a happy ending. We like to think that at the end, we'll come away, you know, feeling uplifted. But after that happened, it made me realise sometimes in life there aren't happy endings. You know, sometimes in life the bad person wins, wins out. And if you look at Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, she was, you know, similar to the class prefect. She's dedicated her entire life to politics, whether as the first wife or, you know, in her own capacity as a politician. And then here was somebody, you know, who's absolutely no experience, you know, uh, for the job at all. And here he comes and he wins the day. Mm. So that really gave me kind of food for thought that sometimes baddies win out. Yet in the book, without giving too much away, this book is about two characters, brothers. They're quite different. Colin and Freddie St. James. They live in Navin. They live in Navin, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Is this based on anyone you knew? No. These are... Totally fictional characters. Absolutely. And I have to say that they are fictional because a big part of the story is set against the backdrop yeah. of a brothel. <laughs> <laughs> and what, would there have been a brothel in Navin I in the 80s? I have no idea. Well, this is, this is the early 90s, the, yeah. the, the brothel here. And, but I did, I, you know, it's an interesting point because I did have a conversation with Mercier who's, who's publishing it. And there's a golden rule when you're putting pen to paper. Yeah. Write what you know. And there is no place 
in the world that I know better than that. But he's not saying, he just doesn't know. Maybe somebody could confirm, was there a brothel ever in Navin in the 80s or 90s? <laughs> I don't think I'll be getting any replies to that. Maybe don't. not. That's a tongue-in-cheek remark, by the way. But don't forget our numbers if you want to join in the conversation. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Anyway, it is the 90s, as you say, and the two brothers. But in this book, you mentioned that uh, bad sometimes wins out, and, and it does indeed, sadly. But not in this book. Um, well, that, that without is the giving question. too much away, that, that's the question. That, isn't that it? is the yeah, question, yeah. you know. And and I suppose how do we allow the bad person in our life, whether it's a sibling or a political character, yeah. how do we allow them to influence our day to day existence? Because the good guy here is Colin. Sure, yeah. And Freddie has made this for his life a misery, even though they're brothers all his life. Absolutely, from the get go, and. My question is, do we allow somebody to dictate your own happiness? Are we dependent on the permission of somebody else to be happy? And that's what I kind of wanted to explore here. And unfortunately, when it comes to somebody who is dictating your constitution, the laws of the land, it's not as easy to go, well, do you know what? I'll ignore that. (laughs) It certainly isn't. Now, the story builds and it's built around as well something that brought a smile to my face <laughs> because I do remember it and it was a big thing on television and throughout the country at one stage the Callor Housewife of the Year Yeah Where did you get that from? Well I vividly remember being a child sat in front of the television watching this competition <laughs> and it went on until 1994 so that's what 14-15 years yes. ago Um and I, and I loved it. I just thought there was this most extraordinary competition um, that celebrated housewifery, that celebrated, you know, women at home. And it's a very different era, you know, the early 90s to today. And, you know, I speak earlier on about, you know, equality and, you know, obviously the rights of the gay community have changed dramatically, but so too have the rights of women, mm. you know. And, and I suppose I wanted to explore the idea um of that change. In this book is the most beautiful woman in Navin. Her name is Azra. She's of Turkish origin. Do you want to hear more about it? We'll give you a few more, a little bit, a few more lines, but you'll have to get the book. We're going to hear about the launch and talk more to Donal right after this break. Navin's Donal O'Donoghue is with me on Late Lunch and we're talking about Colin and the concubine. A concubine, for anyone who doesn't know, <laughs> is a prostitute. Yes. Yes, a prostitute. And this woman, Azra, who lives next door to Colin, yes. uh, he knows she's a concubine, he knows, he knows what she does as well. But bingo, this light goes off in his brain and he thinks, Callor housewife, this woman who's mad looking for a husband, isn't she? She is. Oh, she is, yeah. That's, that's a dream that she had. Yeah. So her story kind of runs parallel to the boy's story. Mm. And actually, the reason that I did write about a concubine was because when I was living in Dublin a few years ago, I was living right next door to a brothel. A brothel. Yes. And I, th- I thought I was very worldly. <laughs> I thought I kind of had, you know, a good kind of yes. sense of how everything works until I left, lived next door to a brothel. And I tell you, I did not sleep a wink <laughs> the entire year because that intercom was roaring from morning it never to stopped. night. Never stopped. Absolutely never stopped. And that was, again, something that was of interest to me. Um, You know, I was saying earlier on about that year, 2016, being quite an important year. And we had that marriage equality referendum. And if you recall, um, the argument had to be obviously very balanced. So, you know, radio shows like this had to have somebody from both sides. And I remember, you know, listening to a lot of people on 
the opposite side. I'll call it the opposite side because it's the opposite side to, to what I believed in. And, you know, they were speaking very much about um, how the gay community were a threat to the institution of marriage. And here I was living next door to a brothel where you had lines and lines of men and many of whom were married. And I kind of thought, well, there's a bit of a kind of a, a conflict here. You know, on one hand, I'm being told that the gay community is a threat. Yes, here are married men going to brothels. And again, going back to the point you made about the roles of women and how women were being subjugated in a, an environment like that as well. Oh, my God. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, from experience, as you say, you have written in this book. Now, don't give them any more. I, I'd say they're intrigued even listening to what we've chatted about so far. But I want to tell them that this book is being launched this very week, firstly in Dublin at Dubray on Grafton Street on Thursday evening at half past six. So if you're in that area, you're welcome to drop in to Dubray Brooks on Grafton Street. Donald will be there. There'll be a glass of vino and oh, will. the book signing will be going on. And then bringing it all back home, Navin, this Friday evening in Eason's Navin Shopping Centre, a landmark there at six o'clock. And again, you will be there with the book signing. Absolutely. Everybody welcome. Everybody's welcome. Absolutely, everybody's welcome. And it's just, it's just important just to say, because obviously, you know, the issues that we're dis- discussing yes. are, you know, deep and they're, and they're heavy. The book is oh, as light listen, as air. I can tell you, you'll love this book. The humour in it, you'll smile, you'll enjoy reading it. I want to add my weight to that as well, as you say. <laughs> well, it you. is brilliant like that. Even though the topics, as you said, we've been talking about are heavy. In this book, they're treated brilliantly. And this man has a winner on his hands. I'm telling you with this one for sure. <laughs> now tell me this, um, besides the book and Ross Naroon, the Woman's Way and, and, and you're a regular contributor there. For Woman's Way, yes. Um, they offered me a, a columnist position. So every month I get to <laughs> spread my opinion, spread my, my views in the world, um, which is which is a wonderful platform. It's, you know, it's a, one of the biggest selling magazines yes. in the country and it's an institution. It's been been around for donkey's years. I was going to say that. It really has. Absolutely. And, and it is still going well and it, and it sort of bucks the trend because print is, is difficult for That's a lot of people exactly today. exactly Oh, sure. Listen, every week there's news about, you know, another magazine, particularly magazine, mm. glossy magazines, you know, um, and that, that they're falling by the wayside. So it's great that after all these years, it's going from strength to strength and I'm honoured to be part of it. You're a brilliant travel feature writer, may I say as well, and you've travelled a lot in your time. I meant to say this to you before, where you've been in the world, and I know you have a particular link with Italy, you can tell them why as well. Would somewhere in Italy be your favourite place to visit or is there somewhere else? Um, well, my link to Italy, yes, my, my boyfriend is from Venice, so I would, uh, after Navan, it's my favourite place in the entire world. Uh, we often joke that we both come from these beautiful, glamorous cities. And Navin and, and Venice. <laughs> well, Venice can't spell itself the same frontwards. There you go. That's backwards. A palindrome, is that what That's they exactly call it? That's exactly it, yeah, palindrome, yeah. yeah. So we, we have the edge there. Um, but no, I'm very, very blessed that, you know, my work as a travel journalist has allowed me yes. to, to, to see the world and... Mm. Um, and in the book, actually, in Colin Concubine, uh, a large part of the story takes place in Istanbul. And that stemmed from a press trip that I took part in in Istanbul. Um, and Sister Agatha, with my first book, you know, uh, her story was that she travelled the world um, in, the, in the novel. And all the places that she visited were places that I had visited as, as a travel journalist. So it's one of the greatest blessings in my life that I get to see the world. Now, you mentioned Venice and the particular reason as well. Where else? Istanbul, they say, is a, a, an amazing city, if you, if you haven't been. We've talked about this with Sandra Finnegan, our travel oh, sure. feature person here on the show as well. 
where else have you had to say to somebody you should go or should see, even in Italy or whatever? It's, well, you know, actually speaking of Italy, I think a lot of people when they go to Italy, they, they hit the hot spots. The Rome, you know, Florence, Venice. Northern Italy in particular has so many beautiful cities that aren't as well known. You know, the likes of Trieste, Treviso, um, Verona. Verona is obviously well known, the Roman Juliet Association, but it's not as popular as, let's say, you know, Venice. I would absolutely encourage anybody just to, you know, take themselves off that, you know, the popular routes and just discover the small towns. Because in Ireland, you know, we have a handful of cities like Galway, Kilkenny that are really, really beautiful. But our, you know, selling point is really our countryside, you know, the scenery that we have. Whereas in Italy, every town you go to is stunning. And you kind of think, OK, there can't be another beautiful town. Yet there is. Padua, you know, I, I could list... Hours, for so hours off the beaten track. Absolutely, yes. Italy. But go to those places that may not be the prime tourist areas. Good advice from Donald today. Um, your cat. Have you still the cat called Prince? <laughs> we do. <laughs> Where we do. did the name come from? Nothing to do with the singer. No, oh, very much to do with oh. the singer. Actually, yes. Um, he's a. It was an abandoned cat. Um, so he's he's Italian, so he has the temperament of the Italians. Um, but he was abandoned, and the refuge centre, um, what do you call it, refuge centre? Yes, the animal rehoming, yes, or exactly. rescue centre, Res- rescue, centre, rescue yes. animal rescue. Yes. yes, they um they found him on the day Prince the singer died, ah. so they gave him the name. Prince. What a lovely little story that is. And, yeah. and the link as well. That, that, there's, there's so he the is the Italian temperament, hasn't he? Absolutely. And, and it's a male cat? It's it's a male cat and he right. really does believe himself to be a prince. <laughs> Even more so, he's the king of the castle at the moment. <laughs> yes, so everything revolves around Prince. TV with Ross Naroon, author, columnist, travel feature writer. What about the stage? Because you have acted extensively, you know, on the Abbey and the Peacock and a lot of controversy, Donald, going on at the moment with the roles of the National Theatre in particular, work for actors using Irish actors. Where do you, what's your view on that whole thing? It's, it's an interesting one because obviously Irish actors for centuries have moved abroad you know, whether it's to Broadway or the West End uh, for opportunities, for professional opportunities. Um, And, you know, a big part of that reason is because there isn't enough work in Ireland. And Ireland has this extraordinary reputation across the world for its theatre. Some of our best playwrights, some of the world's best playwrights are Irish. You know, whether it's modern ones like, you know, John B. Keane or Brian Friel, Marina Carr, or you go back to the likes of Oscar Wilde. Um, or sing, you know, play by the Western world. And it's it's such a shame that this is somewhat threatened at the moment, mm. you know, that maybe we are, we're not allocating the right funding and that a lot of actors are, you know, best case scenario, moving abroad to London or America. Worst case scenario, and I've seen it time and time again, leaving the industry totally. You know, you're mentioning earlier on about, you know, the media and how magazines are closing all the time. I've seen both journalists leave and I've seen both artists leave um, because there aren't opportunities. And, you know, people get older and people have mortgages and families. And that's such a shame. You know, and I think that's something where we as a country need to kind of step up a little bit and support artists that bit more. Well said. Here, here to that <laughs> there you one, go. Donald. Anyway, we're heading for three in the news. It's great to see you again. Let me mention the book, Colin and the Concubine. You love it. I mean you love it. And it's based in Navin and it goes to Istanbul and it's really enjoyable and funny as well. I'll mention the launch again. Locally, Meath in Easton's Navin Shopping Centre this Friday at six o'clock. Meet this wonderful man. He'll be signing <laughs> the book there. There'll be a glass of vino. And again, reminding you, if you're in the Dublin area, it's Dubray Books, Grafton Street, Thursday at 6.30. 
7.30. That's this Thursday. Until the next time, Donal O'Donoghue, continued success. Bless you. Thank you so much, Sherry. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk, beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. Yes, the plastic bag tax came in and had an effect for sure. But still, when you go shopping, everything in supermarkets is wrapped to the nth degree. I know when you go in to buy something now, it's automatic. A lot of sales assistants, they just offer you, will I wrap that for you? Will I give you more packaging with it? And at times you just don't need it. You can carry the stuff out with you. But people are starting to wake up to this and the problems it's causing environmentally. For the next while, I'm going to have a chat with a couple of people who really have taken the bull by the horns. They started off on uh, market stalls, farmers markets, but now they've opened a shop in Fibsborough on the north side of Dublin. It's called NOMS and that stands for Natural Organic Mindful Sustainable Products. It's a bit of a mouthful, but I'll tell you one thing, you'll have a mouthful in your home without all the packaging. I'm joined on the line first by Kieran Smith. Hello, Kieran. Hi, how's it going? Very good. Thank you for taking our call this afternoon. Well, you started, as I said, uh, Little Apples, uh, and it, it's grown, to be honest with you, since. Wh- who are you, or where are you from, or what's your background, or why this now? Um, so, yeah, um, my wife and I, we started um, with market stalls. So um, we lived abroad for a while, and abroad we found it easy to find unpackaged foods, so we kind of got a little bit more conscious of the amount of packaging on food. But abroad it was easy to get your rice or your flowers or your vegetables just unpackaged without too much effort, I guess. Mm. And then we moved back to Dublin again, and we just expected that we would be able to find places where we could do this. And when it became apparent that it was a bit more difficult to do it here, we thought, okay, well, maybe we'll just see what we can do about it. My wife joined the Zero Waste group on Facebook and a lot of people were talking about trying to set up, you know, market stalls or shops. There was a lot of talk about it but nobody was really doing anything about it. So we just decided to set up a little stall in Bushy Park in Terranier and we docked it with different whole foods and rices, grains, nuts, seeds, that kind of thing. And yeah, we just started there really and moved on. <laughs> mm, and now you have your own place in Fibsborough. Is it a, a cultural thing? You said you were abroad there. Are, are we lagging behind? Um, I'm not sure. I think it's it's definitely taking longer to take off here. Certainly on the continent in Europe, there seems to be a lot of options available for, you know, bringing your own containers, refilling them. You know, you get as much as you need rather than having to buy things in excess quantities. Um, so I'm not sure whether it's just here we've kind of become accustomed to the way things come you know spices always come in little spice jars or mm. you know you always get your rice in 500 gram packets whereas maybe just abroad you know it's more of a culture of going to farmers markets and you know just buy you know a little bit of this a little bit of that or you know bulk buy if you use a lot of something so. yes yeah, but I'm not sure. It's kind of, it's hard to quantify, I suppose. Okay, and 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 here's the thing: when you started this in the farmers' markets, and you're at this initially, and now you're into the shop, do, do yeah. people come to you and maybe raise their eyebrows and wonder what's going on here? Where is the packaging? Um, yeah, you do get that. Certainly, we got it more at the market, and when we started out, people really didn't know what we were about. So, you know, you get people who just kind of walk by, give you a little bit of a cursory glance, but don't pay too much attention. Mm. Um, And at the market, we didn't provide any packaging at all. So it was all, you know, 
it was there, but people had to make the effort to bring their own containers. Okay. So um, I think people did find that a bit strange. Yes. By and large, we got a very positive response from it. Okay, and and with time, obviously, people got to know what you were about. They knew how they'd shop with you, and they adapted, and they came with the container. So this is about, for example, I'll just pick a few things. You mentioned rice there. You you do the liquids as well, washing up liquid, detergent for washing, shampoos, conditioner, bicarbonate of of soda as well. So you need to bring your little different containers for these things, and you fill them up. Is that it? That's the idea, yep. And is it cheaper to do it this way? Because there's no packaging involved, is it more cost-effective? It can be more cost-effective for, I think, for the majority of the products doing it this way is cheaper, particularly the herbs and spices um, for the washing up um, uh, products as well, Mm. we find. So uh, we we do offer less. We we offer, like, people can buy, you know, the 400 mil uh, container. And then if they bring it back to refill, it'll cost less to bring back and refill later. Yes. Um, and then for, I guess, um, for lentils and things as well, they would they would work out very reasonably priced. Okay, so there's a, a, an upside to this and, and a real benefit as well if you examine the pricing across the board. Yeah. You have made your mark it's fair to say and and obviously moving to a full-time premises where you're in a fixed place in Fibsborough is a big move for you how long are you there and uh, is the business developing growing what are you seeing yeah so we've been here since uh, mid-November so it's pretty much a three-month mark now Um it's certainly I think business has increased quite dramatically since we started it's been quite successful everybody's been very receptive in Fibsborough so I think people are quite happy to see this kind of a, sh- a shop here. Um, it's been great from a refills point of view because uh, going to markets as well has a lot of time just with packing the car, bringing it to a market, setting it up, bringing it back again, yeah. refilling and going to another market. Whereas here, not only do you have the shelf space where you can display everything with a bit more space, but you can expand the range. So that's why we've been able to go into the refills on the washing up um, detergents, products, um, also coconut oil. We have coffee beans loose as well, and we have a grinder so we can grind in the shop. So, you know, we're always looking for new ideas in terms of what else can we do that, you know, cuts out the packaging. So, yeah. I can get the uh, aroma of the coffee in my nostrils, <laughs> even though I sit a few miles away from you further north. But I, I, I get it. I can picture it and experience what you're talking about. Obviously, then you're buying on the other side, uh, bulk-wise, are you from suppliers? Um, we are, yeah. So a lot of our products we try to buy in as bulk a quantity as we can because we know that cuts out as many of the kind of repackaging processes um, further on down the line. So like for our rices and flowers, they all come in paper sacks. So then that is not being repackaged into the 500 grams or kilo packets that you would generally yeah. buy thereafter. So, And are you cutting out a middle person in a way? Do you ever do you buy directly from producers at times? Um, it depends on the products. I mean, we do try to <laughs> as much as possible. Yeah. Um, so particularly with the fruit and veg as well, we try to go to Irish producers um, uh, if we can and then you know, we'll, we'll try to kind of start as close to home as possible and work outwards or as close to, you know, what what you can achieve. So, like, we can't buy things in too big a quantity because we won't sell it. So we have to kind of look at that as well. 
Yeah, of course, there's a call to be made there. You've yeah. just segued that beautiful for me uh, when you said fruit and veg, because I believe she's standing beside you there, Naomi Sheridan. Would you put her on to me a moment? Yeah, yeah I can pass. Thanks very much, Kieran. Hi. Naomi, how are you? Not too bad, how are you? So you are Miss Fruit and Veg from Noms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my Something I wanted to ask you, because uh, Kieran was saying there, you're trying to source from Irish uh, producers of uh, Fruit and Veg. Are they amenable to you? Can you talk to them? Are they willing to supply you? Because a lot of these have contracts with the, the big multiples. Yeah, well, um, our main kind of organic... Uh, supplier in Ireland is uh, a farm called Spring Cottage Organic Farm, and they're based in County Westmeath. Right. Um, and they they've been great. Um, so at the moment we can only buy what's in season, uh, which isn't a heck of a lot. But there's um, kale and carrots and beetroot and um, apples, uh, and uh, there was cabbages for a period. There was parsnips, but they kind of you know it's not consistent. They come for mm. a, a month or so, and then they're gone. Um, but as we come into kind of springtime, summer, um, that'll like increase. So uh, we've been really lucky um, in that regard. Good seasonality is good. Seasonality is yeah, great. Exactly. And if we were to all eat in season, it would probably cut down our, our carbon footprint um, a lot. But I guess that's, um, yeah. Yeah, that's I understand, and and that's an aspiration that we should all yeah. hold on to. I couldn't agree with you more. We uh, we feature gardening and organic gardening a lot on this show, and I grow a little bit myself. And I understand what you're saying, but out of season and seasonality very important. Do you have to go outside of Ireland or to to buy? Yeah, we do. We definitely do for the likes of our lemons, oranges, uh, ginger, say yeah, um, red peppers. Yeah, we do. Now we're lucky in that we um, import from a. a wholesaler and in you know a lot of it does come from Spain which is closer to home than say you know Argentina or some South Africa or you know other places um but yeah we do have to kind of go further afield for for some of them more exotic (laughs) and do you weigh out is this the idea are we going back to days of yesteryear when I remember going to the shop for my mum and everything was weighed in the scales that's exactly how it is. I love it. So I love it straight away. One banana, away. or you can buy five, or you can, <laughs> yeah, one onion, or however many you need. Like what's good is people come in with the recipe, yeah, um, and they actually go, oh, we need two hundred grams of um, you know pure lentils. We need uh, ten grams of whatever spice cumin it is, or uh, you know two onions and whatever you know whatever the ingredient list is, and they can just buy what they need for that meal, which mm. is kind of. Which is handy in that, you know, if they don't, if they're not sure they're going to use it again, you know, it cuts down on waste, which is the yeah. other big upside of this. Because how many times do we go to the refrigerator or the vegetable cupboard and we think, oh, blimmin' hell, will you look? They're all yeah. gone now. You yeah. can't compost them, I'm sure, but it's an awful waste. But there you are. You can buy whatever quantity from noms you actually want. I love yeah. it. Exactly. <laughs> now the. Shop, we were talking to Kieran there. He was just saying how it's great to have your own place now and not be moving about and obviously becoming more known. Land market in Fibsborough for me. Where are you in relation, say, to Dalyman Park? Are you near there or where are you? Uh, Daly, uh, Daly the Daly soccer Park, grounds. You know, we're literally across the road from us. Are you um, from the soccer grounds? Yeah. Um, right. So 
Uh, we're on the North Circular Road. I know it. Um, yeah, uh, we're right beside the post office. So okay. If you were kind of yeah before you hit the Navin Road, yes, kind of we're we're just up from that. Um, you're you're yeah. brilliant at directions. You know that you've yeah. just got it. <laughs> you've just pinpointed it better than Satnav there. To be oh. honest with you, but we know where you are now, and you know you're not far from where we are here either. And lots of people travel in and out there from the northeast every day as well. Yeah. And I'm sure it's going to stir an interest with a lot of people. This is exciting, isn't it? It is, you know, it's and it's not it's not rocket science, you know. It's actually going back to an uh, you know an older style of shopping. Yeah. Um, where you you know you buy by weight and you buy what you need. You don't somebody else hasn't predetermined how much you're allowed <laughs> buy. You know, three for one. Don't get <laughs> yeah. me started on that stuff or yeah. two for one. That is the greatest waste in my book ever, unless you employed the freezer or something because it's yeah. just never all used. That's the problem with it. Yeah. So yeah. at this time, as you say, in Ireland, we're in February and it's the lean, mean season. Have you anything Irish at the moment? If I was cooking now in the next week, what can you offer me from an Irish source? From an Irish source, we uh, our carrots and our kale and our potatoes, um, our beetroot. Great. Yeah, yeah, lots of... It's uh, a good well, selection yeah, for February, kind of, I have yeah, to say. standard kind of veg mm. that, uh, um, yeah... Yeah, and what potatoes do you sell? Uh, tell me something other than rooster, please. No, they're actually an organic, uh, an organic um, type. The the make I don't know the 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 variety. The variety, that's the word. I'm yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the tanta. Oh, lovely so potato! Yeah, quite a, yeah. It's a kind of more of a robust mm. kind of um, variety because it is organically grown, so it can't be sprayed with any pesticides. Um, this, it can't, you know, at the end of the crop cycle, it can't be, there's no spray going on it to kill the weeds. It's a, a whole natural process. So yeah. it, it needs to be a kind of a, a robust Brilliant. Um, variety. But yeah, so that's the one we have at the moment. What's your best seller? Oh, what's our best seller? Kale does pretty good. I yeah. think people are being more conscious about getting a bit more greens into of their diet. Mm. Um, so the kale do- and we we make smoothies and juices here as well so we've literally we put kale because if there's abundance of it kind of at the moment it goes into everything <laughs> it's green as they say deep green. green when you yeah. do a smoothie with the kale so look yeah. you're uh, not far from Daly Mount Park there which I say is a great landmark for an awful lot of people the soccer stadium and NOMS N-O-M-S yes that's it have you that's website or anything social media wise we do. It's noms.ie, so nom.ie. I think that's great. I love that. It really is. It's very yeah. easy as well. Look them up, noms.ie. I wish you well. I love what you're all doing there, and uh, success to you down the road. Ah, oh, thanks, million. Take care of yourself. Thanks, Naomi. Thank you very much indeed. Bye bye. Bye bye. That's uh, Kieran Smith and Naomi Sheridan there uh, talking to me about noms. Noms, N O M S dot I E. I really do love this. I think it's great and I wish them all the very best. Too much packaging, too much plastic, too much blimmin' cardboard. The green bin. My God, it's overflown after a week, never mind two weeks. Anyway, that's a lot on late lunch for this Monday afternoon. Have a lovely evening. Eddie's up next with the drive and we'll be back with another late lunch for you. Tuesday, 1.30. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Now open in Dundalk, beside the Dundalk Retail Park. The nearly new sale is now on at Blackstone Motors Dundalk. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off impress manicure and press-on falsies.